This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ah, yes, we're back once again. Another week of the Lit Kick Extra podcast. We got a mountain of questions here that you have submitted. If you want to submit questions, joshpate706 at gmail.com at LateKickJosh on Twitter. I am, of course, Josh Pate. Happy to have you with me this morning. And boy, I wish you had brought a heater. Because let me lay out for you the current setup. I am, of course, in my apartment recording as I normally am. That's not a problem. What is the problem is yours truly left the door to the balcony open last night when I went to sleep. I think the temperature got down to about 38, 39 in Nashville last night. And that is about what the temperature is in the old apartment right now. Heat is on, in the words of Glenn Fry, and we're doing everything we can to warm up the situation. But right now, it is me in as many layers of clothes, including a 24-7 pullover, as I could find. But therein lies the second problem. I did laundry last night, and so everything that I could normally wear is in the washing machine, soaking wet, and it's just now gone in the dryer. So it's just you and me and maybe that sound occasionally, some, some chattering teeth. But nevertheless, we persevere as only we could do here. And I bring you the Late Kick Extra podcast, come rain or shine, as my unspoken contract with you calls for me to do. So we got a lot of questions, as I said, to get to this morning. Remember, uh, we are doing Late Kick Live tonight. It's prediction night. Now, that's Tuesday. Remember, last Tuesday, we didn't do predictions because we had all sorts of games postponed. As I'm recording this morning, we only have a smattering of games postponed, and you guys know how rarely I use the word smattering. So the plan is Tuesday as normal around here will adjust as the situation warrants. Sunday night was pretty incredible. Sunday night was not incredible for Will Muschamp, but it was incredible in that a lot of the stories and news, it was breaking Sunday night, 30, 45 minutes tops before we went on air. So we had a really jam-packed show on what they called a light weekend. So it just goes to show, subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Catch us on Late Kick Live when we're on there. You never know what's going to be talked about. You never know what's going to happen. Also, to answer a couple of your emails that really don't pertain to college football so much, I have extended the Zoom sessions that I'm doing with some of you guys because we keep having folks sign up, and so I'm not going to stop when people are signing up. I did not intend to go this long, but I'm going to keep going as long as you guys are signing up. What we're doing is anyone interested in getting their maybe toe wet or just diving into the world of sports media, if you want to maybe look into starting a YouTube channel, if you're looking to start a podcast, if you want to go down some of these roads, whether it be traditional or alternative sports media or new age, I guess is a better way to describe it, sports media, and you don't necessarily know how, or maybe you want some advice, you want to glimpse maybe inside the industry, how that works, what would be the best approach, email me. Set up a Zoom session with me, joshpate706 at gmail.com, at LateKickJosh on Twitter. And you may ask, what in the world are you doing that for? Well, that's exactly what someone did for me once upon a time. The only way, and I mean the only way, outside of general blessings from God to begin with, 
that I ever had a chance of making it anywhere and will continue to ever have a chance of making it anywhere is folks helping me out. So why would you not do that for someone else? And also, I know how that feels. I know how it feels maybe if you're not sitting there with a journalism degree from Northwestern and you're 22 years old with the entire world in front of you and everything laid out. Hey, by all means, if you're in that position, we'll all stop and slow clap for you. And then we'll look around and realize, oh, 99.9% of us aren't in that position. And so if you find yourself in that crew and you're looking for some guidance, maybe hit me up, joshpate706 at gmail.com or at LateKickJosh on Twitter. And by the way, those are the same methods with which you can use to submit a question for this podcast as we get started this morning. And as we get started this morning, here's our first question. Steven said, I heard you talk a lot about the Will Muschamp firing on Sunday night show, but I never really caught whether you agreed with it or not. So do you agree with it? And where does South Carolina go from here? Steven, speaking for many of you, because many of you reached out with who do you think South Carolina is going to hire? Some of you even asked, do you think it was the right move with Will Muschamp? Because you've heard me talk about when it's the right time to fire a coach before. So um, here are my feelings. My feelings are, yes, I think the move was warranted. The reason I think the move was warranted is, as I detailed Sunday night, I don't think it was a knee-jerk reaction. That's the very important point. I am never going to be a proponent of knee-jerk reaction firings, period, football or otherwise. But especially in college football, and double especially this year, only because, as we have talked about on this podcast and on Late Kick Live, I'm not a big proponent of putting maximum weight on this season, meaning I'm not a proponent of valuing this year and applying the same standards to this year that you would to a normal year. And so I say all that to basically say, if you had not already arrived at the conclusion or at least been right on the precipice of the conclusion that a move was going to be imminent before this season ever started, like they apparently were with Muschamp at Carolina, then I'm not a big fan of arriving at that conclusion. Now, an example perfect example is James Franklin at Penn State. That guy's 0-4 at a program that was thought by some to be a top 15, top 15 caliber team at the beginning of this year. Well, now I look in the inbox every day. Maybe I'll pick one out in a second and answer it. People are asking hot seat questions about James Franklin, and I'm not going there. I'm not going. When I told you I don't care if he doesn't win a game, I mean, I don't care if he doesn't win a game. This year, I'm not allowing to put that kind of weight behind. I'm not, personally. So back to Muschamp. Muschamp, you don't have to have been on the inside of anything or behind the scenes anywhere to have heard the rumors and the whispers before this year. And apparently enough people behind the scenes there with a lot of power were there before this year to where they looked around and they had some decisiveness, which you just have to have. The worst thing in the world would have been kicking the can down the road till the end of the year. And not not firing the first shot here, no pun intended. So they fire the first shot by firing Will Muschamp, and now they put themselves in a market that's never existed before and will never exist, hopefully, fingers crossed, after this. And they hop right to the front of the queue that they're normally not in the front of, and they're never in a position to be in the front of, and maybe they end up with a candidate they normally wouldn't be able to end up with. But yes, I think the situation warranted Will Muschamp being fired. Now, he'll be okay, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about him in a second because I got a side question about Muschamp, and it extends well beyond Will Muschamp, something that aggravates me to no end. So we'll bookmark that. We'll come back to that. But as for South Carolina, where are they going to go? Well, I'm looking at 247sports.com earlier this morning, and I see out of the corner of my eye, odds have been released on who the next head coach of South Carolina will be. 
I think the two betting favorites here make a lot of sense, as as betting favorites normally do. Uh, Billy Napier, current head coach at Louisiana, is a plus 250 favorite. And then right behind him, Hugh Freeze at Liberty is plus 300. So um, there are some other names here. You know, Jeff Munkin at plus 500. Jamie Chadwell, Coastal Carolina. Some of you don't even know what those odds mean. Don't worry about it. Um, here's what I think about this. I think that Napier and Freeze are the two at the forefront. Every conversation I've had, they've been at the forefront. There are obvious concerns with Hugh Freeze, and there are obvious concerns. Really, listen, you're going to have an inherent amount of risk to varying degrees with anyone you hire. If, if it were that easy to hire someone, everyone would knock it out of the park. So I, that's, that's my one-two right now. Like Napier and Freeze, in, in either order, those would be my one-two. I could make a strong case for both of them. What I love about Hugh Freeze is that he checks the uh-oh box that I talked about Sunday night. The uh-oh box is kind of like what Ole Miss achieved when they hired Lane Kiffin. When Ole Miss hired Lane Kiffin, I didn't hear anyone predict a national championship for Ole Miss. I didn't hear anyone predict an SEC Western Division title for Ole Miss. Didn't hear that. But here's what I did hear a lot of. I heard a lot of uh-oh coming from Tuscaloosa and College Station and Starkville, and Auburn, and Baton Rouge, and uh, Fayetteville, everywhere in the SEC West, because what they knew is, hey, they may lose three or four games a year. That may happen. However, we're going to have to play Lane Kiffin every year. We're going to have to deal with that offense every year. Florida's already found out about it. Bama's already found out about it. I mean, speak of the devil, Muschamp found out to the degree where he got fired because of it. I think that final was 59-42. to So here's the point. How do you get Kirby Smart? How do you get Jeremy Pruitt? How do you get Dan Mullen to say, uh-oh? Well, hiring Hugh Freeze would check that box. I can promise you that. Is the baggage there? Are the questions there? Yes. To be honest with you, I think the baggage may be a little bit overblown as it relates to the future, as it relates to how he would handle your job in the future. In the past, it's not overblown. It, it's every bit the blotch on a resume that those things should be. How is it going to impact the future? I think that may be a little bit overblown. As for Napier, what I love about him is he checks another box. Maybe he doesn't necessarily check the uh-oh box. Maybe they're not immediately as worried about him as they would be with Freeze. But here's what he can do. Here's what Billy Napier can do. Everybody in the coaching world will tell you. Everyone in the scouting world, the recruiting world will tell you. He's one of the most supreme evaluators of talent that there are rising in the game today. Everybody knows about someone like Nick Saban's ability, but Saban's been around forever. Billy Napier is a guy who's been under Saban, but also Billy Napier is not a guy who at the very head of his resume has, hey, I coached with Nick Saban. You know, Jeremy Pruitt is known for having coached with Nick Saban. Uh, uh, Jim McElwain was known for having coached with Nick Saban. Kirby Smart was known for that. Billy Napier, it just so happens he did coach with Nick Saban, but that's not what he's known for. He's known for being an evaluator. Take you back to week one. They go up to Ames, Iowa, and they play my Iowa State Cyclones and made them look foolish, really. And it wasn't so much that they made them look foolish in that they, you know, Charlie Browned them all day and pulled the ball away from them and, you know, ran circles around them that way. It was that they looked like the better team. The roster looked better. They looked like they had better players. And that just didn't compute because that's G5 and that's P5. And that's a G5 that's not UCF or Memphis or Houston, one of the usual suspects. It was Louisiana. And while they got a nice, solid program down there, you don't ever equate them with having a better roster than 
an Iowa State team that folks had ranked to start the season. Maybe they could be an outside contender in the Big 12. And yet there's Louisiana. And as I said at the beginning of the year, if you switch the jerseys, you wouldn't know the difference. You wouldn't know which one's the Power 5, which one's the G5. Billy Napier. Billy Napier is a big reason why, guys. He is a very good evaluator of talent. And once they get it on campus, obviously, he can develop it too. Finding talent. That's the key. So now how does that translate? Well, we're not looking at a job at Alabama here. We're not looking at a job at Florida. You're looking at a job at a second-tier recruiting school at South Carolina. South Carolina does not get their pick of the litter necessarily. And South Carolina would have a long way to go before they were able to do that. So in the meantime, what do you have to be able to do? You have to be able to find your talent. And you have to be able to hit home runs on evaluations and stop counting on going head-to-head with Georgia for kids or head-to-head with Alabama. If you'll win some of those, that's great. I'm not saying back away. I'm not saying defer all the major kids to the big programs and let's go try and find projects all over the place. But you are sometimes going to have to find quality, high-caliber, high-ceiling, three- and low-four-star type kids that maybe aren't at the forefront of Georgia's radar, Florida's radar, and then go beat Georgia with those kids. Go beat Florida with those kids and find a way to do it consistently. That's not what South Carolina's done before. That's not the MO. That's not the track record. That's not the history of that program, which kind of brings me to my next point. I think a lot of folks always base their expectation on the future of a program based on the history of a program. And that's understandable because that's most of the time how it happens. It's kind of like in March Madness. You know, if you are trying to win your bracket contest. Historically, you're much more likely to succeed in your bracket contest if you just pick a majority of favorites and stop trying to find where the 15 over 2 is going to happen or stop trying to be the one who predicts, and it finally happened, but be the one to predict the 16 over the 1. Yeah, maybe it'll eventually happen, but there's no skill in predicting that. So there's never any skill in predicting which coach is going to be the one who takes a C-tier program to the B-tier, or a Tier 2 program to the Tier 1, like Dabo Swinney with Clemson. There was was no skill in looking and saying, all right, Clemson has no history of being elite, of being one of the true powerhouses in college football, but we think Dabo Swinney, of all guys, of all people, that's going to be the guy who changes the entire history, in some cases, of the sport, because he's going to inject a new powerhouse into the sport. Clemson is now going to be a powerhouse. Well, no one saw that coming, but it happened. At Carolina, no one could ever see that coming, but it's not impossible. It's just very unlikely. It's not impossible that Carolina could hire the right guy to put them in a situation where they elevate within five or six years to being a true contender in the SEC championship race year in and year out. It would just take things happening that have never happened before. That's all. That's how simple it is. You just got to do something that's never been done before. But I will say this. I use this quote with Clemson all the time. You can't have history until you make history. Clemson didn't have a history of national championships. Well, now they do because they made history. You got to do something historic. That's true. You have to be an outlier. But if you find your outlier, doesn't matter what kind of history you lack, they'll just make history. They'll be the ones who make the history. That's the entire point. Florida State, not much history before Bobby Bowden got there. Well, now they got a ton of history. No, Miami, once upon a time, not a ton of history. Well, now they got a lot of it. It's just you never have it until you have it. And so some people believe, oh, but that's yesteryear. The, the landscape of the sport now is such that, well, no, it's not. 
No, it's not. The landscape of the sport has always been unique unto that era. You could break through today. You can do that. You can redefine a program today. You just can't do it overnight. That's what's not going to happen. But before I move on, there's another name out there. Shane Beamer is another name. I don't even see him on the odds list here necessarily. Uh, Maybe he is and is just not listed. But Shane Beamer is a guy who's out at Oklahoma right now as an assistant coach. But he's a guy who's been at Carolina before. He's been around the program understands the state, but let me tell you what he is. Um, I don't know if he's on the record as having said it before, but I know he said it before. He said South Carolina would be his dream job. Kind of like Sam Pittman is saying these days, Arkansas was always my dream job. I believe Sam Pittman when he says that. I have no reason not to believe Shane Beamer when he says that. He's got ties there. So think about this for a second. Think along with me. Does that matter to you? Would it matter if a coach's idea of your program is that's his dream job. A lot of times guys say it, but it's not true. They're just looking to use your program as a stepping stone. Now, if we're being real with ourselves, there are a lot of coaches, especially up and comers who may view the South Carolina job as a stepping stone. Now it's not a stepping stone to get to many other places. There are only a few programs you're going to leave South Carolina for as a definitive upgrade, but those programs are out there. So what happens if we may find a guy who refers to our program at South Carolina as not a stepping stone, but internally he views it as a destination. Because there aren't a lot of folks out there that are going to view South Carolina football as their final destination on the coaching ladder. What formula potentially could you have there? There's a lot of risk now. There's a lot of unknown if you hired a guy like Shane Beamer. But what if the guy who views your program as his dream job ended up being the guy who was also capable, who was also a star waiting to be born. And instead of having to constantly worry, the better you do, the more likely he is to leave and we're going to have to constantly extend him and we're going to have to constantly fight off suitors. What if you don't have to worry about that so much every year? And what if you get assurances from him, even as you guys are winning nine games, 10 games? Oh, we just won 11 games. That's what, what are we doing? We're doing stuff that hasn't been done here before. And then imagine as all that's going on, your head coach is steadfast looking you in the eye after every offseason and saying, thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm not going anywhere. This is my home. I'm looking forward to doing this for the next decade, as long as you'll have me here. What if you strike gold? with a guy that really not many people have heard of, not many people outside, not many people in the general college sports public know the name Shane Beamer, but they didn't know Dabo's name either. Don't worry about winning the press conference. Worry about winning football games. And if you find the right guy to win your football games, to lead your program, and he also happens to view your program as a dream destination where you don't have to worry about a lot of the stuff you normally have to worry about, that could be interesting. Just could be an interesting factor that I initially overlooked, and I don't think it's wise to necessarily overlook that. So Shane Beamer is a name that I kind of have on the periphery. Again, it wouldn't own the headlines, but you never know long-term what that could do for South Carolina. Now, I committed the sin of going even longer with that first response than I did last week where I had to apologize on air. So I again apologize for taking what is supposed to be a three or four minute answer and going, I don't even want to say it. You can look at your timer right now and see how long I've gone already. I don't want to say it. But I do want to talk about this. So Seth had a question, uh, and I heard a lot of people commenting about this, but Seth actually submitted a question about Will Muschamp and his buyout and why coaches who have big buyouts don't deserve to be felt sorry for, yada, yada, yada. So I'm going to talk about that, and I have some strong feelings on it, believe me, right after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. As promised, Seth says, I saw a lot of people talking on Twitter today about how they felt bad for Will Muschamp and how great a guy he is, and he may be a great guy. I've never met him before, but I have a hard time feeling sorry for someone who's about to make out with more money in a buyout than I'll ever make in 10 lifetimes. Boo-hoo for the millionaire. All right, well, let's address this. I worked for a guy one time who was a millionaire 100 times over, literally, And uh, he used to talk to me a lot of times. It was when I worked down at the old fabric warehouse in Columbus. There's big money in fabric, people. Look around your room right now. You got fabric on something. There's no doubt about it. And if you do, it probably came from him. He's since passed on, but he used to talk to me a lot. And one of the things he said, great quote, I've never forgotten it. And I had no clue what it meant at the time. And I still can't relate to it all that much yet. I hope to be able to one day. He said, let me tell you something. Money matters the most when you don't have it. And he paused, like old men tend to do. And I said, uh, well, I don't, so it does. Very much so right now. Can I have some money to go to Burger King? Hello. And uh, he would have given it to me. But the point he was making was he had heard us back there talking about, as you do normally in a warehouse, what you do if you won the lottery. And I do this and I do that. And the point is we could have won the lottery and still not have approached his net worth even at that moment. And what he was saying was, Uh, You don't think I've been poor before? I've been poor. But the point is, I got all the money in the world now. It doesn't change what human emotion is. It doesn't change what drive and ambition is. And if you have those innate characteristics, what happens is, by default, you're you're a two or even a one percenter in the world. And the two percenters and the one percenters end up garnering the most wealth in the world. It's just a byproduct of how differently they're wired. And those people tend to elevate to the tops of any profession or any walk of life quicker than the 98% or the 99%. So typically, they're going to end up making a lot of money. What you realize is the folks who have the inner wiring that it takes to get to those levels, most of the time, contrary to what the stereotype is, most of the time, they're not motivated by money. And therefore, when they fail, they don't view their net worth. They don't use their bank account to be their safety net. And oh, That softened my fall. It doesn't hurt as bad. Now, that doesn't make sense, obviously, to someone who is trying to find two quarters to scrape together and is struggling to do so. I've been there. I know exactly how that feels. I used to hear these stories, and I used to say, oh, boo-hoo, just like Seth said in the question here. Oh, boo-hoo. I don't feel bad. I'd love to trade places with him. I'd love to be a millionaire and be a failure. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. It just doesn't make sense to us. But I can promise you, when you get to that point, like the old man told me back in the day, 
Money matters the most when you don't have it. Well, that must mean when you get a lot of money, it's not the end-all be-all that you think it is. And I don't know how many times history has to teach this lesson for us to finally understand it. I'm of the opinion you don't have to learn every lesson the hard way. There are some lessons you can learn the easy way, by observation. I've never done meth, for example. I have never had to do meth to learn the lesson that you shouldn't do meth. Likewise, I listen to the old man. And I look around at a lot of people who are even miserable and have a ton of physical wealth about them. And I say, you know what? Maybe maybe money's not quite what we make it out to be. So I'm not telling you you need to be sitting here feeling sorry for someone who got fired but got a huge seven or eight figure buyout. I'm not telling you that. You feel however you want to. That's your life. What I'm telling you is I've been around these situations a couple of times. I've been privy to the inner workings of a couple of these situations. And I can promise you, I would bet money. I don't have as much of it to bet as Will Muschamp does, but I would bet money right now. We're sitting here on Tuesday morning recording this. Muschamp found out he got fired Sunday night. I can guarantee you the last thing that's been on that guy's mind the last 48 hours is, oh, well, at least I get X amount of dollars in the buyout. They don't care. Coaches don't even think like that. Their wives spend most of their money anyway. They don't even have time to. They have no free time. And so that's not the life they live. They're not interested in having enough free time to enjoy their money. The money's just a byproduct of, as I've said, how high you've risen in the profession and it sets up your kids and your kids' kids and kids' kids' kids for life. And that's wonderful. And they do a lot of philanthropical work with that money. They do a lot of things that maybe you don't see necessarily. So it's great. It's great to have generational wealth. That's not what a coach is thinking about. What a coach is thinking about and how a coach really defines himself is how high you've risen in the profession, how much success you've had in the profession, how many lives you've been able to change in your chosen profession. And when you get fired, that consists of your superior looking you in the eye with the backing of the fan base normally and saying you're not good enough anymore. That for a competitor is a crowbar to the throat. It doesn't matter how many zeros are on the check they hand you on the way out the door. It's irrelevant. You're numb. You're a failure. You walk away and you just want to go sit in a dark room like someone with a migraine for two weeks. That is gutting. If you're a competitor and that is all you live for professionally, you don't know if you're ever going to get another chance. And for Muschamp, especially because now he's been fired at two SEC programs, This is a guy who views himself as a head coach. Again, I'm not telling you to feel sorry for him, but the people who believe zeros on the end of a paycheck is this cure-all that negates what would normally apply principally to any normal human being in these situations. Those, unfortunately, are the same folks who do not possess the inner wiring to ever rise to the level where they'll find out for themselves it's not true. If that makes any sense, you know, like the ones who sit around dreaming all day about what I do when I have this kind of wealth are probably by default, not the ones who are ever going to acquire it because you don't dream about it. You go make it happen. And folks who have that drive to make it happen, they don't ever sit around worrying about money. That's not what their focus is. That's not what the motivation is. So therefore, it's certainly not the cure. It's not the elixir, the magic elixir when they fail. And that concludes my TED talk for this morning on that. So in other news... Jeffrey has a question all the way out on the West Coast about Oregon, and he said, what's it going to take for us to make the college football playoff? Well, just keep winning games. For now, just keep winning games. I thought the win against Washington State was a pretty big deal last week. Talked about it on the show. I'm not going to reiterate it here. Uh, For those of you who missed that, check out the Sunday night show. It's available in podcast form, too. But what I said is, you know, 
a lot of teams would have lost that game. They're a 10-point favorite. You're on the road, but also it's you fall behind early. Oregon was minus three turnovers. That's just the kind of game most teams lose. I define turnovers at a certain numerical value, and the numerical value that I put on a turnover times three is more than 10.5. I can assure you of that. So my numbers would indicate 10.5-point favorite minus three turnovers. They should lose the game outright. Well, not only did Oregon not lose and they won the game, they covered too. And here's what they did. They had this little mini offensive explosion. Uh, Tyler Shuck played very good in the second half. They had over 350 total yards in the second half Saturday night against Washington State. That's a big deal. And to me, it was a big deal because they showed a little something that I didn't necessarily believe they were capable of early in the year. If you told me Oregon won a game 19-6 to and it was a defensive slugfest, oh, I'd believe they were capable of that. But that's not what happened. They struggled defensively, and offense bailed them out. That's not the Oregon formula. If there were questions, and maybe still are about Oregon, it's, ooh, offensive line, ooh, quarterback. Mm, I don't know if they're going to be able to move the ball offensively. One game sample size, but they were able to pick themselves up off the deck and win a game, as it turns out, comfortably by doing that. So then the next follow-up is, okay, but they're only going to be 7-0 and even if they win the Pac-12, and 7-win Oregon versus 11 win, fill in the blank. Well, that's not happening either. You don't know that it's going to happen. Let me rephrase. I don't know how many wins teams are going to have. Ohio State can end up being 4-0 or 7-0. I don't know. I don't know how many wins Alabama or Florida, whoever comes out of the SEC, will end up having. So the point is, just win your games and let the external factors take care of themselves. I happen to believe if Oregon keeps winning their games, what people said two months prior or three months prior – it never. You know how this playoff stuff works. You and I have watched it before. Think about how on its ear the playoff picture gets turned in a normal year just in the last week or two of the season. When can you ever remember the college football playoff picture playing out in real time exactly how someone laid it out in August? Just nice and neatly, if you had this number of wins, you're going to be this seed. It never works. That's why we don't ever waste time doing it. I did one segment the entire preseason about playoff predictions, and it was only because they were due for 247sports.com. And I understand people like reading them. Hey, I have fun with it too, but I just don't invest a whole lot of time on the show in it because I just don't think there's any skill in that. I don't think there's any skill in it in the middle of the year. And so when we get you know, into late November, then early December, then you start to understand what the picture is and what it's going to require. But until then... You're in week three right now, if you're Oregon. Just win your games, and you'll be shocked to understand the rest of it will probably take care of itself. All right, now here's what I want to remind you. We stretched a little bit this morning. On Thursday's show, I want it to be more classic. And for classic, those of you who are new, what that means is we go boom, 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 rapid fire. We get as many questions in as possible. There have been times where we've gotten 35 questions in. That's our record right now, 35 questions in. So fill me up with the questions, joshpate706 at gmail.com. You can leave us a five-star review. I didn't put that at the front end, my bad. Leave us a five-star review if you haven't already. We're near 850, I want to say, at last check. So the drive to 1,000 continues. Get us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, you can write a review and put a question in that. And I'll look to answer as many of those as I can Thursday. You can also DM me on Twitter, at LateKickJosh. Follow me while you're there. We also give out our best bets on Twitter, so there's a lot of reason to be there, aside from the occasional Fleetwood Mac or train hopping take. So we are going to now... 
hit stop record so I can get ready for Late Kick Live tonight. Got a couple of meetings before then. Hope to see you there. In the meantime, have yourselves a great day. Stay warm, stay safe, stay well, and God bless. Thank you.